Excellent. Hey, so my name is, to introduce myself, my name is Robert Lee Story, and I work on staff with Grace Church working in our student ministry. Um, And I'm grateful to be here with you guys. I'm grateful to Will. I'm grateful to each and every one of you just for letting me come and be able to worship alongside of you. Um, So before we open God's word together, let me pray for us, and then we'll hear from his word. God, we love you, and we are grateful for this morning. We are grateful just to be able to come together as brothers and sisters, um, united as one body, united as your body, to be able to worship you. And God, the enemy, our flesh, the world would try to convince us that there are other things in this world that will satisfy us. There are other things that we need, but none of that is true, and all of that leads towards death. But what we really need and what will actually satisfy us is you, Lord. And so I pray, God, that you would give us the faith to believe those words, give us faith to surrender our lives to you and to worship you with our entire lives, God. And I pray that as we receive you in your word right now, I pray that our minds and our hearts would be still, that they would be quiet, and that they would be able to receive you in this time. And I pray, God, that as we encounter you, that we would be changed through a personal relationship with you, God. I ask this in your name. Amen. All right. Well, Will, when I met with him a couple months ago, he told me that I was free to preach from whatever passage in the Bible that I wanted to, so long as it was actually from the Bible. And so I um, am excited to share with you guys a parable that God has been using over the past couple months just to do a work in me. He's been using this parable to teach me a lot about himself and what it means to follow him. And I think parables specifically are really unique because they offer us a window into the kingdom of God where we are able to get a glimpse, a more clear vision of what a relationship with God is like, what it looks like for us to follow him, and what living on God's terms is actually like. And I think, too, there's something unique and something powerful just about a story, about storytelling, and um, that is just able to capture our minds, our imaginations, our feelings in a way that is powerful. And I think that's actually why you see Jesus preach so many times through storytelling, through parables, throughout the Gospels. And so I'm excited for us to be able to explore this gospel or this parable um, together today. So the parable that we're going to be looking at comes from Matthew chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, but I'm sure it will also be on the screen. But while you're turning there, I want to tell you a little bit more about myself. So at the risk of making my life sound super boring, I'll go out on a limb and say that something that I really enjoy doing, this is kind of embarrassing as I say it in front of you all, um, is that I really love scrolling through the Facebook marketplace. Does anybody else do this? Yes. All right. Some people in the back. There we go. Nice. Love it. Love the Facebook marketplace. My entire house furnished by Facebook. Um, It is awesome because I love to scroll on there looking for a deal. I love looking for some good treasure on there that's just super cheap because I love a deal. And the reason that I share that with you is one, just to familiarize yourselves with me so we can get to know each other a little bit more, but also because we are going to be talking about an incredible deal this morning that is being offered to each and every one of us. And that deal is the kingdom of God. That is what is being offered to each and every one of us. The kingdom of God, Jesus, a relationship with him. And the deal is that all that it will cost you 
is your entire life. To have him, it will just cost you your entire life. So we're going to continue to explore that idea together, but let's go ahead and let's open God's word. Starting in verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has, and he buys that field. So it's a short passage, so we're going to take some time. We're going to break it down bit by bit. Starting off with that first phrase that we see Jesus use here. He says, the kingdom of heaven. What does that phrase actually mean? So if you were to go back and read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels, you actually see Jesus use that phrase many times. He says the kingdom of heaven here, the kingdom of God here. But what does that actually mean? When Jesus uses that phrase, what is he talking about? So whenever I read this passage, um, something that I always think of is the Lion King. Have you guys seen that movie? I'm sure a lot of you have seen that movie. Um, I think of the scene in the movie where Mufasa and Simba are sitting on Pride Rock together watching the sunrise. And Mufasa says to Simba, everything that the light touches is my kingdom. It is mine. I am king here. All of the land, all of the people, it is mine. So he is responsible in that area for justice, for law, for order, for meeting the needs of the people, making sure that they're fed, for protecting them. He is king there, and they all belong to him. And that's actually what Jesus is talking about here as well. So when he uses the phrase, the kingdom of heaven, what he means is, it's a place wherever God rules as king. The kingdom of heaven is wherever God rules as king, wherever he rules, wherever he reigns, and wherever people recognize him and worship him as Lord of their life. That is what he means by the kingdom of heaven. But the next question you're probably asking is, why does this matter to me? Why is this something that we're talking about this morning? Well, let's look back at the passage. So the next phrase that he says is that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that it's valuable. It's worth more than anything else that you and I already have. And in fact, it is so valuable that it's worth selling everything else for. That is the kingdom of heaven. And so there's a lot wrapped up in this idea of the kingdom of heaven being like a treasure. But there are three specific things that I want to share with you that have implications for your life and for my life today, right now. So let's unpack these together. So for anyone who is following Jesus, anyone who has discovered the kingdom of heaven like a treasure, then their sins have been completely forgiven. All of the lies that you've ever told, all of the hurtful things that you've ever done or said to your family or to your friends, all of the sexual boundaries that you've ever crossed, all of the things that you are ashamed of, all of that is completely forgiven. It is washed away entirely. It is as if you have never done any of that. So for all of us, there are moments in our lives, I'm sure, that um, when we think about them again, they just cause our ears to turn red. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, that like, as you're trying to go to bed tonight, that thought just comes in and you just lie awake like with your eyes looking at the ceiling for the next two hours. And I'm not just talking about like the embarrassing things, because we all have those moments, but I'm talking about the parts, the moments of your life that you just regret because you know that they were really bad. Um, for me, 
uh, one of those things is how I treated my mom, like when I was growing up. Um, I just spoke really horribly to her, like in certain moments. And when I think about those things today, um, I just really regret it, and I'm ashamed of that. But it is that moment and all of the other moments like it for me and for you that have been completely washed away. We have been completely forgiven of all of those if we have the kingdom of heaven. And it's not just the shame and the guilt that we feel that we are free from, but it's also the eternal consequences of those things too. Because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is what? Death. That's exactly right. And so for anyone who has committed sin, which is all of us, I'm sure, when we died a physical death, we were going to experience death and condemnation on a spiritual level. We were going to spend eternity separated from God. But if we are in Jesus and following him and our sins have been forgiven, then we aren't going to receive any of that. And instead, our sins have been forgiven. And now we are going to spend eternity with God in relationship with him, worshiping him. That is what we have now if we are in Jesus. So that's the first thing that it means to have the kingdom of God like a treasure, that our sins have been forgiven. The next thing that I want you to understand is that for anyone who is following Jesus, then they have been completely transformed. They have been completely made new, reborn as a new creation. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture is 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. When I had first become a believer, this passage meant so much to me, and it still means a lot to me, because I had been reborn out of a lot of sin that I was embarrassed of, that I regretted deeply, and to know that the Robert Lee that had committed all of that sin died and has gone away, and instead I had been reborn as a new creation, that is such an encouraging thought. And the same thing is true for anyone who is in Jesus, that you have been completely reborn, completely made new. And now, who you are, your identity, your life's purpose, what you do, all of that is tied up in not what you have done in the past. Instead, it is tied up in who Jesus says you are, what he has done for you. That is what you have been made new in, the work of Jesus Christ. And then the final thing that I want you to see is that for anyone who's been brought into the kingdom of heaven, then you have been adopted into God's family. You have been brought close to him as his son and as his daughter. Jesus, God sent Jesus into this world. He grew a body just like us, lived a perfect life, and then he had that body be pierced by nails. He was murdered so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins and so that a way could be created for us to be brought close to God in relationship with him. And if you choose to believe in him and have him be your savior, then you are adopted to God as his son or as his daughter so that now when God looks at you, he sees his daughter. He sees his son. That is who you are to God now. That is what your identity is in. And so all of these things, this is some of what it means to find the kingdom of heaven as a treasure. And so hopefully now you're beginning to catch the vision of how this is an incredible deal. How this is something worth your entire life 
But there's more here that I want us to understand. So let's look back at the passage one more time. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has, and he buys that field. So for the guy in this verse, to get the kingdom of heaven and all that comes with it, he had to sell everything. He had to give it up. He couldn't have both. And I hope you notice this. That it's not that he was being forced to do this, to make this deal. It's not that his wife was like whispering in his ear, his friend was there twisting his arm, convincing him to do it. No, it says that he did this joyfully. That he was excited to make this deal. That in stumbling upon the treasure... He recognized its wealth. He recognized its value. And so he went and gladly sold everything that he had so that he could raise the funds to purchase the field because he knew that it was better than what he already had, that it was more valuable. He, was glad, he gladly gave up everything else to get it. And here's the thing. This is the same deal that is being offered to you and me today. The same thing. The same treasure, the same kingdom of heaven is being offered to you and I. And all that we have to do in order to grasp it is to sell our entire lives just like that man. To give it all up for us to gain access to the kingdom of heaven. When I think about this passage, when I think about this idea, um, I think about my favorite passage in scripture, and that is Mark 8. Um, It's the same idea. Jesus uh, is speaking just a bit more plainly here. He's not using a parable to communicate this idea. Instead, he's speaking directly to the crowd and to his disciples. And he says, Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world, yet lose his life? This is the same idea that we're talking about over here in Matthew 13. Jesus is saying that if you really want to follow him, if you really want a relationship with him, to know him personally, then all you have to do is give up your own way, take up your cross, and die daily to your sin and to your fleshly desires, and choose to follow him. That is how you choose, that is how you find real life. But if you choose not to do that, but instead to cling desperately to the things of this world that you think are going to bring you life, then that actually is going to cost you your life. And so the question then for all of us is, are you doing this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is better than the things that you could bring yourself in this world? And I think for all of us, this can be um, a difficult decision for us to make. I think um, it could actually be pretty difficult because I think it's easy for us to become confused thinking that the things of this world are actually going to be able to satisfy us. I think that is really easy for us to become confused and to be fooled into believing. Thinking that our work, our money, peace in our homes, attention from that girl or from that guy, sexual exploration, successful kids, that those things are going to be the things that are able to satisfy us. And so we cling to them, believing that is where we find life. 
But that is not true. Because the only place where we will find real satisfying life is in Jesus, is in Jesus Christ. So C.S. Lewis, um, I'm sure many of you have heard of him, he um, talked about this idea in one of his writings from a quote that's actually pretty famous, and I want to share this with you now. Um, You may have heard of it. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. He's saying that the things that you and I are fooling about with this side of eternity, they're mud pies. They're worthless. They don't actually bring life or satisfaction or joy. And instead, we are being freely offered infinite joy, infinite life in Jesus Christ. And all you and I have to do in order to access that, to have it, is to choose to give up our own way, to give up the mud pies, and we can have infinite joy. That seems like a fair deal. So another thing that I think keeps us from making the decision to sell it all to follow Jesus is a lie that I think we're all tempted to believe. It's a lie that I'm tempted to believe. And that is that we can have both. And I actually think this is a really common idea in the American church, that we can have both our own way, our own way of doing things, and Jesus Christ at the same time. We think that both are possible at the same time. And so because of that, we ignore Jesus' teaching on generosity and tithing. We ignore God's design for sex and keep pushing sexual boundaries or watching pornography. We don't actually love our neighbors, but we instead ignore them and act as if they aren't there. We don't value his word or time with him in prayer, and so we choose a few extra moments of sleep in the morning until it's time to rush out the door. But, just like the man in the passage, you and I, we can't have both either. Before he could buy the field with the treasure in it, he had to sell all of his possessions. He had to get rid of them for him to be able to purchase the field and the treasure. And the same is true of you and I. That if we really want Jesus, if we really want life with him, a relationship with him, satisfaction, then we first have to get rid of our own way of doing things. We have to give that up, pick up our cross, and follow him. There's no having both. It is either or. So we have to be willing to give all of that up for us to be able to have Jesus. But we should do that gladly, understanding that Jesus is greater than what we already have, that it is such a fair deal, because this over here really just leads to death. Whereas Jesus is freely offering himself to us. And it is where we find infinite joy, peace, and life. So as we get ready to wrap up here, um, I've just got a couple questions that I would love for you guys to chew on um, and to take with you throughout your week. So if you are in the room today and you aren't sure that you are ready to make this deal yet, 
that you aren't ready to fully surrender your life to Jesus, then I would just humbly ask you to consider why. What is it that you are afraid to really surrender over to him? What is it that you're afraid to give up? And are you clear on what you would gain in return if you actually do give that up? Are you clear on that? I would just encourage you to have a conversation with someone in the church about that, with a pastor, with a leader on staff, and just be completely honest, be um, vulnerable enough to share what is really, what you're really thinking about in that conversation, and understand that all of us have stood in your shoes. We know what it is like to evaluate the things of our life and Jesus. We know what that's like. And so we understand and we want to have a conversation with you. And so we invite you to that. And if you are a Christian, then I would remind you that this decision to sell everything in order to gain Christ isn't something that you do once in your life and that you're covered for the rest of time. Because this is an act of worship that you and I have to choose every single day for the rest of our lives. To wake up in the morning, to give up our own ways, pick up our crosses and follow Jesus. This is something we will do for the rest of our lives. Because when we choose to worship Jesus, we make him king of our lives, of our entire lives, and for the rest of our lives. That is what we do until throughout all of eternity. And so the question for you as a believer then is, are you doing this? Are you giving up your life to choose to worship Jesus instead? Or what is it then that you, that you aren't surrendering to him? What is it that he's asking you to surrender? And then the final thing to chew on is just like on the Facebook marketplace, comes full circle, y'all. Um, just like there, when you see a good deal on Facebook, you got to move fast. You got to move fast so that you can get it, y'all. And that's true of us today. A good deal is being offered to you in a relationship with Jesus, and you don't want to miss it. Do not miss it. Right now, today, is an excellent opportunity for you to know Jesus and to surrender your life to him. He is offering you himself freely, and all you have to do is give your life to him, and you will find real life and a personal relationship with him. That's all he's asking. So let me pray for us, and we can continue on with the rest of our service. God, we love you, and we are grateful just to be here this morning worshiping, and we're grateful also for the work that you have done in sending Jesus into this world to die for us, to die the death that we deserved so that we could be brought close to you in a personal relationship with you so that we could have our sins forgiven, so that we could be transformed into a new creation, and so that we could be adopted into your family as sons and daughters. God, that is nothing that we deserve. We do not deserve any of that. Yet you, in your grace and mercy, choose to give that to us freely. And so I pray, God, that the truth of that would come to define all of our lives, and we would live out of the truth and the hope of the gospel every single day for the rest of our lives, God. So give us faith to believe and give us the courage um, and the devotion to you that we need just to follow and to surrender our entire lives to you. Bless this your name. Amen.